Small changes can make a big difference on the race course, and that's what this Quantum Sales podcast series is all about. My name is Andy Rice, and each episode I talk to some of the biggest experts from the Far 40 world. And this week I'm talking to Dave Armitage, Far 40 designer for Quantum. So welcome, Dave. Hi, Andy. How are you doing? Very good, thanks. And Dave, you do a lot of coaching, a lot of support for some of the Far 40 uh, teams on the circuit at the moment. We're, bu- we're building up to the Rolex Far 40 Worlds in Long Beach later on this season. And I think sometimes you see some of the new teams, maybe particularly the Corinthian teams, struggling with, with both ends of the, the spectrum of, of the wind in terms of how to set up their boats. So um, could you tell us a little bit about that? And, and maybe let's look at light air boat setup initially. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. You know, I think uh, you know, the one thing I see, it's, um, you know, coming into a far 40 and trying to make the boats go well in light air. I, I think there's a few tricks. And, and when people look at the setups, they're they're quite blown away or quite shocked. And, and it, uh, it can be quite a tortured sort of setup to make the boats go well in that sort of, you know, six, seven, eight knots. Um, and that's one thing the the newer teams struggle getting their head around. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely worth worth looking at. So, what are the typical mistakes that people make? Uh, how do they tend to set up their boats before you get on board? And and what are the things that sort of um, make you wince the most? Um, I guess one of the biggest things is people are shocked by how high you know you run the traveller. Uh, and how hard, physically hard you sheet the main sheet in, in that, you know, sort of six, seven knot range, you know. There's, um, you know, people are much, you know, the, the newer teams tend to be much more conventional with their trim, you know, their, um, you know, their traveler maybe only a couple of feet above center line and just sheeted to what would be a nice normal twist. And and um, while in some boats that might be fine, the, the you know, the far 40, you're trying, every, trying to do everything you can to, you know, create some weather helm, sort of load the load the rudder a little bit, and uh, get the boat tipped over, and get the crew hiking hard against the sails. And some of the things you do with the rig setup and the sails um, to achieve that are, are pretty distorted. You know, the um, you know the traveler is incredibly high. You know, it could be as high as you know six or seven inches below the top stop on the traveler, which is you know will will end up putting your boom you know two to you know two to three feet above center line at times, or even slightly more. You know? And the uh, you know the main is you know sheeted incredibly hard to the point where you know up around batten six you're actually just starting to kiss the backstay. So the um, you know batten sorry batten five and six. So you know the boom is significantly above center line and the main sheet's sheeted on very hard just to try to do everything you can to um, you know tip the boat over and get the crew up and hiking against the sails. You know. But below six or seven knots, I don't, I don't know what the lowest wind speed is that you'd start a race, but if it dropped lighter, surely you wouldn't be able to hang on to that kind of hard mainsail setup. Well, that, that's kind of where you are. You know, you're, you're, it looks distorted and you can't always, you know, obviously it's easier to do this in flat water than it is in chop. But um, you, again, you're trying to do everything you can to, to create some heel and um, you know, create some side force that the crew can then hike against. and. And um, so, yeah, it, it's a big shock for people when they first get into the boats to see how distorted the setup looks like. And you know, you're um, you know, also the, the the rig goes through a significant range of motion, significant range of turns. I mean, the you know, a far forty rig goes through almost thirty turns on the headstay. You know, the cap shrouds go through sort of five to six turns. You know, the D ones go through seven turns. The D twos, you know, approximately the same. So. You know, a lot of the Corinthian teams struggle to get their head around 
the rig set up and when to make the changes and, and what exactly they're looking for and that stuff. And, and um, so that's you know where you see the biggest difference between the pro teams and, and the Corinthian teams. And let's say that the wind is starting in that six to seven knot range, but there's a forecast that it might build throughout the race. What would you advise that a team does? Is it all about getting off the start line as fast as you can, or do you put a bit in the bank with your rig set up for, for what comes along later on in the race course? It depends on how much you think it's going to build. Obviously, if you, if you're just anticipating a small build, then then really you're going to set up to make sure you're you know you're optimum for the first you know first part of the race, just so you can sort of get your nose out if at all possible or get yourself into the best position and from there you're just kind of hanging on if the breeze builds, you know, which that would be what most teams will do. I mean, if, if it's obvious that there's significantly more pressure coming through, then then you're going to have to compromise a little bit in your setup at the start. But, but for the most part, people will set up for the first, you know, third of the beat or the first beat and just kind of deal with the setup after that. And those kind of settings, you're talking about this massive range of movement on the standing rigging. Are they all settings that are freely available from Quantum Sales? Yeah, the um, you know Jason Curry in particular, and, and some of our guys have done a really nice job getting this um, you know getting this really well documented and put up on the website. So it's freely available to anybody. This there's really not too many secrets. It's pretty well pretty well documented, but. You know, it is a big range of motion for uh, you know throughout the range. So people are pretty surprised when they first get into it. I think you know you look at you know the you know you look at how loose the rig is and light air and that six seven knots. You know the the D ones and D twos are literally swinging in the breeze. You know, and that sort of takes a little bit for people to get their head around. But you know, in that condition, you're trying to generate as much fore and aft bend as you can without having to use too much backstay. You're still using a little bit of backstay, but you're you don't want to have to use too much that the force day then gets too tight, you know, and, the, and, the, and you know, you give yourself a sort of fine, unforgiving entry in the gym. So in the light air, you know, you have a, the, the mainsters have a lot of luft here because they have a lot of, the, the rigs do bend a lot fore and aft in the breeze, no matter how how you adjust the rig to try to limit that, you know, the rigs are still quite proportionally soft. So that you have a lot of luft curve in the mainsail that you need in the breeze to not invert the main, but you then have to deal with all of that luft curve in light air. So in light air, you're trying to pre-bend up the rig, you know, without without adding a lot of force day tension. So you end up sailing with very soft D1s and D2s, um, you know, trying to let the rig bend fore and aft, and also sag and slightly sag and slightly to leeward. So yeah, you end up sailing with incredibly soft diagonals, not a lot of backstay, but the, the soft diagonals let the rig sort of bend fore and aft and get rid of some of that knuckle on the mainsail and, and some of that excess luff curve that you need to have there in the breeze that you don't necessarily want there in the light air. I think, um, you know, one thing I see Corinthian teams, they actually, they don't go soft enough on their D1s and D2s or their force day and they end up with a main that looks, you know, that they think they want a very, very deep mainsail on the light airs and, and in light air and it ends up being too deep and too knuckled. You know, when, and when you get that situation, you can't actually sheet the sail on. If the sail's too deep and knuckled, you know, you sheet the sail on hard, you're just going to stop. Whereas actually, you know, the better teams that you'd probably be surprised how relatively flat their mainsail set up in light air, but are sheeted quite hard. You know? So it's um, there's a yeah, there's quite a few little tricks in the far forty, quite a few peculiarities that 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 um, that you might not see in other classes. You know? Okay, so th this extreme setup of a, a boom very far to win with with a very hard leech, you wouldn't necessarily recommend that for for other forty footers, for example. Um, not necessarily. It, it, it depends on the type of boat. You know, you do see a little bit of this with the, with, you know, with the TB52s, and and 
you know, a, a lot of boats in very light air because again, it's you know, it becomes a competition to see who can get the you know the crew up hiking against the sails the quickest, who can power the boat up the quickest, um, and, and so there there is some crossover into other classes, but you know, it, I would say this is reasonably specific to the far forty class. You know that it's quite this extreme, but but there are parts of it that absolutely cross over into other classes as well. You know, it's um, it, it you know, it's definitely. It's a it's it's a case of who can power up the earliest. You know, usually usually goes the goes the best. You know, and and out of an acceleration uh, off a start line or out of attack, how quickly would you get things into that really hard extreme mode that you've been talking about? Uh, pretty quickly, because it, the problem being, if you get if you're too twisted, you know, a lot, a lot of people think, okay, we need to be twisted out of the tack so we can. You know, build speed and all the rest of it, but you get too twisted, and you actually un unload and unpower the boat, and you just never get there. You just end up dribbling. So, you know, typically within, you know, obviously you get a little bit of ease out of the tacks, and things will be a little bit softer. But generally speaking, within, you know, call it three, four lengths out of the tack, you're almost back to that same trim again. You know, it happens pretty quickly because again, you're just trying to load the boat up, tip it over, and hike hard against the sails. You know? And in this mode, what should the jib trimmer be doing to match with the mainsail? Well, that's an interesting one. Like I think a lot of mistakes I see are some of the guys people actually trim the jib too hard. You know, like uh, you know, uh, again, you're trying to load the back of the boat and create weather helm. So if you trim the jib too hard, you're actually shifting some of the load back into the front of the sail plan, which is not necessarily what you want. So I would say it's easy to over trim the jib in this in this specific range, um, but. You know, you want to be pretty careful. You know, usually you're sailing almost all the way in hauler on, so the in hauler's you know mashed in against the cabin top, but the jib foot is quite deep, and the, you know you're actually carrying a little bit of twist in the jib. So it, it's it's easy to over trim the jib in this condition, um, and then yeah, and then you're sort of looking at your forestay sag. You know, like typically the main sheet trimmer will probably always want a little bit more backstay perhaps just to sort of get rid of some of the knuckle on the main than the jib trimmer might want. The jib trimmer might want the forestay a little softer, you know, just to give more entry to the jib. Um, but, so uh, there needs to be a, a constant communication between yeah. the two, does there, sort of it's a trade-off? Exactly, there's a little bit of a tug and war that goes on between the two. If, you, if you've got your rig set up really nice, then there's, you know, you're, you're kind of complementing each other, there's really not too much of a fight going on, but, but often... Uh, Often the main sheet trimmer, if the rig's not quite set up right, we want a little bit more backstay, and the jib trimmer's you know begging for less, you know. So it's a, it can be a bit of a compromise, but um, yeah. And then the, you know the interesting one is how to manage this transition because all of a sudden you you know if you get you know a little puff up to you know seven and a half, eight, eight and a half knots, all of a sudden now you've got all the power you want, and you need to transition back into a more normal rig setup, and that's. You know that um, it's kind of a thing of who does that best as well. You know, because all of a sudden you can go from being high heel angle. You know, you're sailing with something that's a you know it's effectively a very draggy setup. That um, all of a sudden you need to transition into something that's a little bit more lower drag, a slightly more fast forward. You know, so it's managing that transition back to a, a more normal setup. Traveler down, little flatter, little more twisted on the main. You know, and and. You know, watching the pro teams do that, they, they they will obviously manage that better than the than the Corinthian teams. Okay, so good to observe another team doing what they do in those sort of tra transitional moments and, and getting a sense of when the right time to switch over is. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, great stuff for the light end of the spectrum. And you said that sometimes you see some of the new and Corinthian teams struggle at the top end of the wind range as well. So just tell us 
how do you vary the setup compared with a normal medium air setup on a far 40 when you're into strong winds and, and what are you talking about with strong winds yeah i mean i, th I would say the medium air is is you know it's um it's a good equalizer it, everyone's more often than not most people can make the boat go reasonably well in that sort of say 10 to 14 knot range it's not too too tricky when you start to get into say look uh 13, 14, well, 14 knots where you've now got all the power you can handle and you're sort of, the next transition is looking how to depower slightly. Um, you know, I see some of the, the new teams and Corinthian teams not do that as well as the pro teams. They, you know, they won't make a big enough transition in the rig. You know, they'll be a little bit late getting the force stay on. You know, the rig tension will be a little bit soft and they will either, um, you know, that they... They won't either. They either they won't pull the backstay on hard enough, and the main will still be too deep, too knuckled, and sheeted too hard, or you know they have, they've been too late getting the forestay up, and and they're turning the main inside out too quickly with the backstay, and not really sure how to deal with it. You know, so it's um yeah, it is it, again. It's a big range of motion the rig goes through, and and the teams that have sort of spent time working on it and getting their head around it usually will obviously do the best, but. So if people take the, the hard numbers off the Quantum Sales website in terms of what to do with their standing rigging, um, that stuff presumably they, they, they can get bedded in uh, pretty straightforwardly by just taking the numbers. But what do you do with uh, some of the setup in terms of mainsail trim and jib trim now? Yeah, well, now you're getting into 14 knots. The, the biggest thing is, is not, you know, it, it's a big transformation. You, you go, you almost you want to be able to sail with more twist. You want to be able to sail around on the sails a little bit. So quite often what I see is, is people having the main sheet sheeted too tightly. You know, they'll, um, you know, they'll have the main pinned on and, and, you know, often the backstay will be too soft. So you've got a deep main so that's sheeted too hard and you end up with, a, you know, almost no groove for the helmsman to drive around and, you know, he's sort of pinned in a high heel angle, sort of a high slow mode. Whereas, um, you know, the better teams will be will be at 14 knots will basically be full backstay for their setup you know the mains will be nicely balanced you know they won't be turning the main inside out but it'll be pretty flat and it, it, once you get into that condition the traveler really doesn't go through a big range of motion you know the traveler at 14 knots is literally pegged on center line or a foot or so above it at most and you're doing everything through the main sheet you know it's just subtle moves on the main sheet but generally you're you're more twisted than you would think you know you, you want to be able to twist and be able to get the fast forward you want to be able to sheet on slightly and get the higher slower mode but almost everything's done with the you know just with small changes on the main sheet but the setup might be slightly twistier than you, than some of the Corinthian teams might think is normal and as you start to get up to 14 knots and a little bit more then you start to get into bang sheeting you know that the traveler really doesn't go down at all you just end up going up with a, with a tighter and tighter and tighter vang and just sort of you know the you're effectively using the bang as a traveler, you know, and you're just bang shooting because you just don't get enough bang for your buck out of, you know, just moving the traveler around. You know, like the, the main sheet gives you the quickest change, the swiftest change, and you can just do pretty much almost almost everything on the main sheet, you know. The traveler really is not going through much motion at that point at all. So hard vang and presumably hard outhaul, hard cutting him as well? Yeah, the Cunningham, you know, the Cunningham's never really overly hard. It's literally just enough to remove the, you know, the horizontal wrinkles. The, the Cunningham doesn't have a massive effect on the sail. You know, it's, it's, you're really just kind of cleaning up the, the front of the sail a little bit with the Cunningham. And you, you'll see a lot of teams really don't use much Cunningham at all, you know. Um, but 
you know, the biggest tools are, are obviously getting the rig set up right, and then you're just, you're, the traveler's literally parked on the center line, and you're just dealing with main sheet tension and bang, you know, just trying to balance up, balance up the boat. And, you know, at this point, the jib trimmer's, you know, still trying to sail with as much inhaler as possible. Um, you know, you, you'd be on your J2 at this point, and the jib car would, for most, you know, our customers in particular, and, and the North boats as well, and other boats, the jib car's almost all the way aft. You know, the jibs usually set up pretty flat in the foot and sheeted very hard, you know, and you're just, you're trying to sort of balance the jib trim and the main sheet trim. If you're, if the rig's set up correctly, if the, if the jibs trim too hard, you're going to be blowing the, blowing the front of the mainsail out slightly. So the jib trim has then got to either come more car aft or crack the sheet slightly just to kind of twist open the top. But, you know, I'd say you're probably sailing with more twist in both sails than, than someone just coming into the class would think would be normal, you know, but you're, you're trying to, Create a groove that the helmsman can drive around. Um, so you, you you set up a little bit twisted in both sails, and and it's sort of a communication between the jib trimmer and the main trimmer. Like the the jib trimmer is going to always want to sheet on and make the sail look pretty, and, and will want the jib sheeted firmer with less twist than perhaps the main sheet trimmer would like. The main sheet trimmer is going to be sort of negotiating for a little bit more twist, you know, just so he's got less float in the front of his mainsail. And it's, and it's fine to have some float in the front of the main, so you can have the front of the main just rolling a little bit or just with a slight bubble, but you're, you don't, really don't want any more than that. You know, you need, the, you need to have the whole leech setting up and working, you know, in order to keep the boat balanced. As soon as you get to a point where the entire main's flogging, then, you know, the, the, you know, the boat will start, you'll start to dribble, you'll lose height, you know, you'll lose helm on the rudder and, you know, the, the boat will just start to dribble to leeward. So you always need, at the very least, you know, the back half of the mainsail working in order to help you, you know, keep the boat on the wind, keep it balanced. You know? um, what if you get caught out on settings? Again, let, let's say that uh, yeah. you start in medium airs and it, it really breezes up, so your standing rigging is not where you want it to be. Uh, are you still doing everything that you say and ju just expecting that you live with that compromise, or is there anything further that you can do to sort of mitigate the loss through having the wrong setup in the first place? You know, really, you know, that's... Again, that's where the, the good teams really stand out because they sort of understand what's going on and are able to, you know, balance the sails on the boat. You know, like you might, you know, at, at that condition, if you're if you're under four state or under jack pressure, you're not going to be able to pull on the backstay as much as you would like. But you're going to take as much backstay as you can to the point where you're just starting to invert the mainsail and then sort of back off ever so slightly from that. And you know, you might end up sailing with slightly more twist than you normally would, and you know, with a soft rig just to kind of. You know, help help that. Um, you know, the jib trimmer might be a fraction more twisted, um, just so that you can kind of sail around on the rig setup a little bit more. Um, you just, you know, if you're yeah, if you're over the top of a rig setup, you're potentially not going to be able to sheet quite as hard as you would if you were in range. That's just the big thing. And once you get up range and you and you're getting to that overpower condition, is just the communication between the the trimmers and the helmsman, and just trying to make sure the boat's balanced and both sails are are working together. Dave, thank you very much for that. Really, really good tips there. And some of them, for me at least, quite counterintuitive. And I suspect for some people listening as well. So some really interesting things for people to try out there. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast and you've enjoyed what you've heard, then please do check out quantumsales.com and sign up for our Small Changes, Big Difference series for the other episodes where we bring you lessons from the best in class.